Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. You know, one of the things that has been a consistent accelerant in my own development is surrounding myself with high-capacity leaders. That's a part of what you're doing here by listening in on incredible leaders like Ken Costa. It's been it's never been more important than now to surround yourself with other high-capacity leaders. When you're well-connected, you put meaning into your work and, and you make well-informed decisions. Kerry Newhoff created the Leaders Circle in March 2020. It's an inner circle of high-capacity leaders who have direct access to both him and to one another. Over the last few months, this tribe of high-capacity leaders has navigated all the transitions of becoming a digital organization, managing a remote team, figuring out the complexities of reopening and advancing their mission through all the uncertainty that we're facing. Now listen, the, 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 the leader circle, so excited about it, the leader circle gives you access to carry and to a group of high-capacity leaders through a live Q&A and a private Slack channel. On top of that, each month, the group uh, focuses on one carefully sculpted and curated piece of content to help you and your team work through the struggles that every organization faces. Now, it is closed. You cannot get in, but... Kerry has opened up. He's re- reserved a few spots for unseminary leaders like you. All you need to do to learn more, to apply, is to text my name, Rich, R-I-C-H, to 33777. Again, I'd love for you to do this. This is the season for you to surround yourself with other capa- high-capacity leaders. And all you need to do is text, text Rich, my name, to 33777. All right, let's jump in with today's conversation with another high-capacity leader, Ken Costa. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Uh, We're so glad that you have tuned in today. We uh, have got a real treat today. You know, every week we try to bring you uh, leaders from churches and from the kingdom uh, to really help you grow as a leader. And today is no exception. We've got Ken Costa with us. He is the founder and author of God at Work, has over 40 years of experience uh, in the financial sector, is a real leader in uh, the church. And so we're so honored to have uh, him with us here today. He's also, uh, he was the, the chairman of Alpha International, uh, is a great leader. Uh, happy to have you with the sh- on with the show today, Ken. Welcome. Thank you. Well, it's a great privilege to be able to speak to you virtually as we all have to do these days sitting in lockdown in london uh yes. it's um it's a ghost town but who knows what's going to happen in the next few weeks yeah it seems like uh you know, here in Canada, we're uh, we're just be in the very early stages of trying to open up and trying to figure all those uh, those things out. It's been quite the season, uh, you know, for all of us. That's for sure. Uh, you know, there's there's. A, why don't we start by just you kind of telling us a little bit about your background? Tell us a little sure. bit like the Ken Costa story. Tell us a little sure. bit about that. Well, I was born in South Africa. Um, came to study in England, uh, Cambridge University. Uh, studied law. Had a sort of um, came from a you know, fairly nominal Catholic background um, and faith sort of came alive while I was at university together mm. with um, uh, my good friend, Nicky Gumbel, who founded the Alpha Course. And we then continued to come down to London. I then went into financial advising, became an investment banker for the last 40 years um, and be- 
was be a part of, of the church and growing of the church and chaired Alpha for, for 16 years. Um, and, you know, in, in all this time, I think there was always this grappling of the question of, well, you know, it's one thing to be in a church, but what happens to the people in the churches who actually are in the workplace and in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. And how do, how do we reach them? And of course, now, this is of critical importance as mm. as we've got the the digital and online church debate going on to is it clicks <laughs> is it bricks is it a bit of this is it a bit of that um yes. so um you know that's a bit of background i then you know wrote wrote a few books um speak regularly mm-hmm. stay in touch both in the business world in finance i'm still there chair an investment company and uh, and also continue to keep up the the links with the Christian community and Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I uh, well, I appreciate the ministry of Alpha and your leadership there over the years. A couple of weeks ago, we we hosted uh, Nikki as a part of an online conference we we ran, and uh, Dave Ferguson, a mutual friend of ours, did an interview with Nikki, and I loved he he said I love what he said in that conference. He was saying, you know, I for years have been resisting doing online Alpha groups, like I just didn't think that that was going to work, and. Then, and then he rolled out and talked about all the things that he's been learning in the last couple months with online groups, even, you know, being a part of one. So, so much to, uh, you know, to, to appreciate. Sure. And then sure. I, I also have appreciated your work on, um, I think, helping church leaders particularly think through, you know, that God is at work in the marketplace. And, you know, when we read the Bible, uh, and I have a, a dual background, I was in the marketplace for a while as well. When we read the Bible, we see they're just, it seems like God prefers actually to get in touch with people in the marketplace rather than in the holy place throughout scripture time. And again, it's actually when people are, are laboring that he seems to uh, want to reach out to them. Um, so I, you know, the problem is the lens, the lenses through mm. which the church is trying to, to face, it looks at all sort of gets a religious language. But mm. you know, when you just go back, Moses was at work while yeah. he, when he was called, Gideon was at work uh, when, when he was called, the, you know, the first disciples were fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, that's a thread, as you rightly say, that runs all the way through. And, and unless that is recovered and recovered very rapidly, um, we're going to find some very serious problems uh, with the, the church going forward, particularly as a result of this whole new world that, mm-hmm. that we are, we're, we're entering. Yeah, I, you know, I, over the years when I'm serving in the local church, you know, context, I, and I would I would speak with people who are in the marketplace about that. Um, and go through some of the same examples you would go through. It was it was like that was a new idea to them. They're like, no, no, like that that's in their Bible. Like that, you know, yeah. that that is the story. And so again, I'd lot I have a lot of admiration for you and, and your work. You know, one of the things I appreciate about you, I think you do have a unique um, perspective on leadership. You have your your hand in a lot of different conversations, and we're obviously dealing in a changing world. You know, this is a, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to use the word unprecedented because I think I'll, I, if I hear it one more time, I will, you know, get punched in the arm. Uh, but, uh, you know, we are dealing with some new dynamics when it comes with particularly kind of dealing with the relationships, dealing with uh, how we lead people. What are you seeing, uh, whether it's in the church world or in the marketplace, about some of those changing dynamics? Uh, and and what, what are you, yeah, how, how are you seeing that that's changing even in these kind of this current state? Well, the first thing to say is that the whole nature of work uh, is dramatically being changed. I mean, the church can't exist outside of a macro 
of a macro picture. Quite often people get the view that the church is kind of insulated from what's going on in the world. Uh, and of course, it, it, it is not critically clear that if it ever was, okay, uh, that you can't be. Um, and therefore, the, you know, my, my grandson will, I'm sure, say to my son in 30 years, so, what did grandpa mean when he said he was going to work? I mean, <laughs> yes. what, what is it? Where is it? And yeah. so that whereas, you know, it was a good sort of modern woke in, um, company that would say you could work at home if you wanted. We give you some free time to locate wherever you would for a period of the work. You don't actually have to come in to work a year ago. And this was thought mm. to be sort of a modern dynamic company. Now we're moving to the place where you're going to have to work right. from home. It's not going to be an optional advantage uh, mm -hmm. sort of an added plus that you mm -hmm. have. Uh, and that, of course, is shaping uh, an entire way of living because where will people be living? They'll be living in, in different parts of, 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 the, um, of the cities. You know, the long traveling hours may, may change. Um, listening to podcasts uh, <laughs> you know, may be either increased or decreased. But, but yes. so there is that background, again, in which, you know, on the assumption that 90-something percent of most churches have people who are in day-to-day -day employment. Um, mm -hmm. This is going to have to be thought through very carefully, uh, together with the macro uncertainty that we're facing, whether it's you know, on the COVID crisis, on the issues mm -hmm. related to, uh, to racial injustice, to inequality, all these, all these issues. I've never known a time when, when there are so many global issues that have just spread globally Mm -hmm. uh, that we have to tackle with, whether it's the environment or that blew up just before COVID or health mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, sustainability of the, of the resources of the planet or the nature of finance and inequality. All of these have come in, in, in a sort of a massive sort of move. Mm -hmm. And I'm just longing for the similar awakening of the spirit to be as energized globally as this other stuff has been perhaps at the other end of the scale. Yeah, I was listening to a friend earlier today and he is speaking very optimistically and was saying, you know, I really hope that we look back at 2020 and, and not say like, oh, that was such a terrible year. We look back and say, wow, look at the change that took a place in that year in a, you know, in a positive way. Now, I don't know that we're there yet, but, but we're still, uh, there's real opportunity in the air, I think. I think there's a real opportunity for the church uh, to take a new, new role, to take a new place. Um, what would you see as a way that as church leaders, we should be responding to this kind of changing way of work or, or really even the deeper, I think what you're pointing to is the kind of deeper cultural change that's happening underneath all of that. Um, how should we be thinking different? What would you be thinking? How, how would you push us to be thinking differently uh, in these days? Well, I take, uh, you know, I would take the sons of Issachar who mm -hmm. both um, understood the times analysis, which mm -hmm. I think is very important, mm -hmm. uh, but also knew what action to take. And I think that at the moment, churches need to consider very carefully that we are drawn together as a mixture. Our leaders are a mixture of reason and revelation. Mm. It is not simply enough to be a sociologist to try and guess the social trends and to try and get, you know, like politicians to see where the trend is and then try and get ahead of it. 
um, because we actually believe that that there is a revelation from God. I honestly believe that he is trying to grab our attention at this moment and to say to us, just stop and just listen. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to arrest your attention mm -hmm. um, and I want to speak to you and I want to help you through this time. So in my view, um, this is an outstanding start to the decade. Uh, mm. 2020 is mm. far from it being this annus horribilis, this terrible year. Of course, it's painful for those that have lost loved ones and for who have been ill. I understand that. But it's also been a time when one is able to say, right, now let us pull together both the insights that we can have from the world around us with the analytical tools that we've got to do, but also a new godliness on our knees, a new, a new mm. searching for God, a new longing for God, a new waiting on the spirit of discernment to be drawn together. So my first piece would be to any uh, pastor listening, would draw together people or a small group of people who would represent those two parts of um, of of the uh, the human endeavor, or should I call it the, you know, the Christian endeavor at this mm -hmm. time, and listen to what they're saying, and try mm -hmm. and begin to to shape something going forward. Uh, that's very good. Are are you seeing that happen in places, or are there is there an example of a church or a ministry, or or it might even just be a group of friends that you're seeing, like, hey, they're they're taking this as an opportunity for discernment together. I, I love that you're pointing towards community discernment. I think there's that is sometimes missed. I think in our churches, we we look to like the hero to a person to have the idea, as opposed to hey, let's gather together as the body. Um, are you seeing some examples of but where that's I, you know happening? Uh, but you know, during this week, I gather a group of young young leaders in the in the, in, in in the country together, and we did precisely that. Uh, we had someone come and do an analysis for us on the trends that they thought they saw the churches would be doing coming out of it, and at the same time, uh, stressed this 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 the need to to be able to to provide a theological framework, but also a you know, kind of spiritual formation to dealing with this extraordinary uncertainty that we're facing. This is an unsettled, uncertain time. And decisions have to be made in the knowledge that you do not have enough facts mm. uh, to, make, to make the decision. Now, at the moment, we're utterly overwhelmed by every fact you could possibly want to have for the present. <laughs> yes, yes. And we're completely overwhelmed by the uncertainty of any fact relating to the future. Mm, uh, so that's a good insight. We, 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 can't, we can't read those trends right because the prism that you use through which to see them is bound to be refracting um, your personal position, your interests, your community, and not necessarily the trends that are, that are, that, that are there. So I think what wants to be, and that's the advantage of having it in a community discernment, a time of assessment, um, and, and, and also, of course, that involves the, 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 the community that you're in. That you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, the idea, too, of um, not relying on our own lens, um, uh, the way we look at things, I think is an important piece of this puzzle. It seems like there was a season early on, particularly around COVID, where it felt like, oh, like, okay, we, we, there's like some agreement on what's happening. But then 
it, something shifted and it, and it became, and I don't know whether this is happening in, in the UK, but in our, you know, here in Canada, and we obviously are, a lot of our news is dominated from the States and it does feel like, oh, wow, this somehow became a political thing. And as opposed to like, what's actually happening in our communities, which may, can make it, I think, increasingly difficult for church leaders to make decisions because they're trying not to, to look like a political leader. They're just trying to respond to their community and what's happening, uh, you know, in their, uh, you know, in their world. So if, if a group, so I love that practical advice, hey, well, gather a group of leaders together, you know, from a kind of various perspectives, various disciplines, um, you know, for a listening experience. Could you dr- drive in a little bit more on the discernment piece? How, how does one practice discernment in leadership? How, how do we do that? Well, it's, first, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gift of the Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to recognize that, you know, there, is, there are natural giftings that people have to mm-hmm. both assess information, um, trends, um, which belong together, and separate out those that do not belong, in order to find, you know, what, what you know, what, what the key questions are that need to be asked. Because that is by far the most important thing. Is if you get the questions right, you might be able to answer some of the, some of the, the consequences. That would be the first piece. That it is a, that is a gift of the Spirit of God to, to enable us to use all the, the skills and giftings that, that we have got. Mm-hmm. I think secondly, um, the, 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 the actual discernment is a process. We are mm. so used to sort of, well, let's, let's Google it. Let's find a search <laughs> engine that's going to give us an answer. So so. We want instantaneous now. We, we, want, we want an instantaneous now. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and certain things lend themselves to that, but discernment doesn't. And therefore, <laughs> the problem about it is, 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 discernment is in itself a a reflection in submission to god um it is it is trying to 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 recognize his voice his guidance the scriptures that lead us um he's promised to to walk you know at the end of the day we walk by faith and not by knowledge because we we if faith were knowledge it wouldn't be faith mm-hmm. so discernment has to have that element of faith in it which looks mm-hmm. forward and makes forward projections, but also based on some walk with God uh, that a seasoned leader has. There mm-hmm. are different levels of discernment. When, when the, the, a seasoned pastor is discerning something, or a young youth leader is discerning something, it is best combined together so that you get Mm. Um, the hindsight of the older person together with an insight of a younger person drawing together uh, and working those those steps, both of rational reflection, um, reason and revelation running together in the same way, framing the questions, narrowing the questions, um, and then making applicable judgments into the cultural context into mm, which that's good. this has to apply. Yeah, that's very good. So, you know, you had touched on this earlier, and I think a lot of us are are struggling with this season um, because it has removed certainty out of the equation in a lot of areas. Um, you know, we're going to come through a discernment process 
Um, you know, I love that idea of, of insight and hindsight and bringing those together. But then we're going to actually make some decisions. We're, gonna, we're going to uh, point in a direction, uh, or whether, whether it's our church or a ministry we're a part of. What advice would you give to us as we uh, step towards that, that direction? How should we go about kind of walking in where we believe God's leading us next? How should we be thinking about that uh, in this season when there is so much uncertainty? will be absolutely careful of trying to lay down the next three-year plan for your church. Yes. Um, yes. Be very, very cautious about rushing back to the old days uh, in, in where one was able to prepare these programs. What I think, because we don't know the shape, when, when, all, right. when all the chickens that have gone out of the coop have come mm. into the delicious grounds and eaten wonderful worms and lovely lettuce and things in the garden, when you want to bring them back in and give them husks of corn, maybe they, they won't want to come back. Um, and maybe what brings them back is something very different. So I think, I think one has to be very careful to, to keep short-term plans and of constant evaluation and, and real-time changes yeah, that's as good. to what that might look like. I mean, I'm often asked the question, what do I think is the key leadership requirement for the moment in a leader? And, mm -hmm. you, you know, you've got all the leadership stuff that everybody mm -hmm. teaches you everywhere. But in this season, mm -hmm. I have no doubt that flexibility, nimbleness, mm -hmm. is what's, what's, what's really paramount. You have to be nimble. You have to be flexible to be able to adapt, you know, to see, you know, because... As we read in John's Gospel, the wind blows where it will, yes. um, which is the way the Spirit of God works. We can't determine the, the direction of the wind. And if we can't determine the direction of the wind, what is the point of putting the sail up if all yes. it'll do is just flap against the, the mast? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. So it is a sense of you know, sensing where the Spirit of God is moving, sensing where, where the wind is coming, and when it changes, changing. And mm -hmm. that, of course, is the most difficult piece. You know, it's yeah. unsettling. And most people, most pastors have, you know, lived in sort of fairly rigid plans. I've got my preaching program out, you know, a year in advance. I've got it all booked in. I've got everything neatly tied up. Not going to work. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. We, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. We started a, so last fall we sensed we, we needed to really codify our, the next phase of our journey. And so we, you know, at that point I was unsettled with a, a, a planning process that would go for a long time. So we, uh, we did the, you know, the, uh, the Patterson uh, Stratop process. And uh, we really in that a part of the argument was how long should the horizon be? How long should we be looking out? And it, this was in January of all times. And it was like, well, I really don't think we can look farther than three years out. That just seems like who knows where the world will be three years from now. And little did I know three months from then, <laughs> we were just in a different world. Um, and, you know, and, and have found ourselves scratching our head around even some of the stuff we were thinking about in January. So I, I appreciate the wise, that. The wise how we be flexible? The wise pastors will be living in contracting horizons. Mm. Um, Tell us more about that. What do you, what do you mean well, by that? The, well, because the, the natural tendency will be to, to say, oh, it's, the world has changed. Digital is here to stay. Um, mm. We're all going to be uh, doing online. I don't know whether how much it will be, but we'll really press the online because just look at the number of people that we're getting to sure. listen to us. Well, the people happen to be in 
Cape Town and Sydney and London. They're not your right. natural people. Um, yeah. You know, it's nice to have that audience. So I think one has to have a contracting horizon in terms of which one is constantly fulfilled in knowing that we're doing for a reasonably short period of time. What you thought you wanted to do in three years, you know, <laughs> you've got to think of doing in three months. Just take the yes. performance of the share price of Amazon. Mm -hmm. Amazon's share price has done in three months what it was expected to do in three years. Right. Um, so you, yeah. you have these extraordinary compressions taking place in the world around us. And therefore, one has to be particularly careful to narrow the horizons, not to think that you've ceased to be a visionary, simply because you pulled in the, mm -hmm. the, the, the horizon in which you're operating. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. I, I think, you know, we, it has been interesting that you see some church leaders drive to want to codify this is where it's going to go. And they're, it's, it's like this old instinct to say like, hey, um, you know, this is kind of the new normal or this is where it's at, as opposed to, no, I think we're heading for a series of changes that are coming. <laughs> and we're in one right now. And we're going to find ourselves in one, you know, six months from now, a year from now. Um, you know, there does seem to be an increasing, and in some ways, it's just people and much people smarter than me have indicated, you know, this recent chi season of change is just an accelerant on what we've seen already happening in our culture. Um, obviously, COVID and, and all the cultural changes come around that has accelerated it, but it's, it's uh, you know, it's baked in, which, which would indicate that if we find ourselves thinking that we've landed in something new, as opposed to the series of, uh, as into the next of a series of changes, um, you know, we may, we may be missing the lesson that's in front of us. Yeah, well, good um, luck. Good luck if you think you've been able to to read that uh, that wave right and you want to surf it. Sure. You may well yes. be rolled. Yes, exactly. Now, you actually just released a book uh, that I'd love to talk about. The, the subtitle grabs, grabbed my attention, the, uh, the Extraordinary Calling of Ordinary People. Tell us about this book. Why did you write this book? What, uh, what brought you to say, hey, this is, you know, this is why I want to release this message in this season? Well, the interesting thing is that the book is, of course, a uh, uh, a life to the extent that there is a life of uh, Joseph of Arimathea. I mean, mm. he appears in 14 verses in all four of the Gospels. Um, yes. He is a, 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 a footprint in the great, in the great story. Uh, mm. And he reflects, in my view, the people of the small print, that mm. he was an extraordinary um, calling, but of an ordinary person. Um, and by ordinary, I mean somebody in a particular task, you know, whether you're a, a, a school teacher or a pastor or a, or a president, whatever it is that, you know, those are callings that, 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 you, that you have. And he did what he did at a time when nobody else was there. It was a, and, and he was a business person. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Where were the disciples? Where was John? Where was Peter? Where were they? They scarpered. They left yes. the cross. It was left to a business person to pull together Nicodemus, his friend, um, to take the body down, to pull their finances, pull their efforts. Partnership matters. You can see the theme in the book on why we need to work together as partners uh, in mm -hmm. order to give a burial to somebody who they were both secret disciples of. But what really struck me and that enabled me to write, wanted to write the book was in Luke's account of it. He says at the time of the trial that Joseph was not uh, part of the majority. He did not consent 
to their mm. decision and their action. And I thought to myself, that's what the Joseph spirit is. For those that mm. are standing up for equality, for racial um, justice, for uh, you know, standing up to what's being taught in our universities, for example, mm. being mm -hmm. prepared to ask a teacher, well, I don't know that what you're teaching is what I think is the children should be taught. Mm. Uh, standing up in the workplace, in the boardroom, um, in the church council meeting, whatever it is, for the things mm -hmm. that are right. And that's what really struck me. So Joseph of Arimathea is a remarkable person. I, I, I've sort of really got to get to know Joe. And my advice to you is meet Joe. You'd like him. Um, he's a good guy. Well, when I saw this book, so I, I saw that this book had been released before, we, you know, I had the honor of you coming on our podcast. And, and I was like, I don't know of any books on Joseph of Arimathea, let alone a book of this size and weight. Like this is not, this is not a pamphlet. This is like a real book. And so uh, that, that's, a, that's, I think, is amazing. And I obviously want to encourage people to pick it up. What has been a surprising response, you know, as the book's been out now? It's been out for a little while, obviously a bit of a strange season for a book, but any kind of interesting kind of impacts that the book has had as, you know, as it's been out and connected in culture and resonated with people? Well, I think the interesting thing is that people have resonated with the fact that he was... Um, he was a highly practical, ordinary business person, mm -hmm. um, you know, that used the positions, both his influence and his affluence, and used it well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he was not one of the religious type. He wasn't a big dog, you know. He didn't have a great mm -hmm. number of people on YouTube and followers <laughs> on, uh, on Insta. Sure. You know, he, he was... He, 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 but he was, he was moved to do... Um, what he knew was just and what was right uh, to mm -hmm. do. I think people were, were, were struck by that. And the other was that he was a secret disciple. As mm -hmm. so many of us are, you know, we don't really come out until something happens. And then we mm -hmm. say, you know, he realized that this innocent man was going to be crucified. And that was a galvanizing moment. I also think that, you know, people see the cross as being that moment where he is, which transforms our lives. And above everything else, this is what really struck. Mm -hmm. Faith is doing the right thing, even when you don't know how the story is going to end. Joseph did not know what was going to That's happen true. on Sunday. And there is a silent Saturday in the life of every leader that I know, mm. a time when it looks as if all is abandoned. There's a silence in heaven. There, prayers don't seem to be getting through. And in this COVID period, the strangest thing is that pastors and Christians and leaders all over the world are sensing the same kind of gridlock, a kind mm. of silence, a kind of, um, you know, a, a dome of, of, the, of a shield that won't be penetrated. And I suspect that there's a silent Saturday upon us that, uh, you know, between the hectic activities of the crucifixion on the Friday and the, the celebration on the, on the Sunday. Uh, and that is what is happening now to many people and to any of your pastors that are listening to it. You're not alone in mm. going through this, this silent Saturday time. Um, uh, but silent Saturday gives way to the celebration of Easter, but Joseph did not do, he did not know that any more mm -hmm. than we do not know 
how we will hmm. come out of COVID. Anyway, you, didn't, you didn't want a message, but uh, no, no, no. That's a good word. Uh, and uh, like, what strikes me about this book is, and, and confirm this for me. Maybe, maybe I'm not looking at this right, but um, what can what strikes me about this book? I think this could be a great book for um, pastors to give as a gift, maybe to some um, leaders. It could be a great study. It could be a great thing uh, to to gather some folks together and say, hey, like, th- let's look at this character. Uh, like you say, it's 17 verses. <laughs> um, let's pull out what we can. Uh, and I think it's highly applicable uh, to, um, you know, to, like you say, ordinary people in our churches. And we all know that our the church goes forward on uh, ordinary people who are choosing to follow God and to, to look what's in front of them and say, I'm going to be faithful with what, what God's given me today. And so it strikes me as this could be either a great group study, could be a great uh, resource maybe to give as a gift, that kind of thing. Um, are those the kinds of ways you could see this book being used? Uh, sure. Um, and, and not only at Easter, it's a, yep. it's a story uh, all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. But here is this, this man, um, a footnote in history, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. Yeah, absolutely. If people want to pick up a copy of this, I'm assuming they can get it at Amazon. Uh, where else can they pick up uh, well, you know, a copy of this? Any bookshops that are open. Yes. You can, either, <laughs> right. you can either get the audio or the, uh, or the book from, from, uh, from Amazon. Uh, right. and, uh, that is, um, that would be a, a good place to get it all from your, from your, uh, from your, wherever you order your books from. Yes. If that still happens, you know, that's great. Well, I, I really appreciate that, Ken. I appreciate you being on today and your wisdom and leadership. And, and thank you so much. If people want to track with you to kind of catch up with, with you, how, where should we send them? Uh, where online can we point them towards to kind of catch up with Ken? Uh, KenCosta.com. Um, great. And um, be delighted to carry on the conversations with people. But thank that's you. Great. And thank you for the privilege of being able to talk across the across the continent an amazing gift that we have of broadband yeah thank you so much ken appreciate you on the show thank you thank you for tuning in to this week's unseminary podcast don't be shy we'd love to connect check out unseminary inbox you can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week plus you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use connect with rich on twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>